This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's John Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For more information, see johncast.net. The night sky for October 2020. Fairly high in the west is the region of sky containing the constellations Cygnus the Swan, Lyra the Lyre, and Aquila the Eagle. Their bright stars, Deneb and Cygnus, Vega and Lyra, and Altair in Aquila form what is called the Summer Triangle, which in fact is still visible well into the autumn. Due south lies the square of Pegasus, not such a bright constellation. The top left-hand star, Alpharats, is actually Alpha Andromedae, and it's a starting point for finding the way to the Andromeda galaxy. On the night sky page, search for night sky jodrell and drop down to either the University of Manchester or the Centre for Astrophysics, I do give a chart showing you the two ways to find the Andromeda galaxy. And finally, high overhead is the W-shaped constellation of Cassiopeia, and down to its left, you'll find Perseus. Rising over in the east and getting higher in the sky as the night moves on, is a constellation of Taurus the Bull, with those two wonderful open clusters, the Hyades, and higher up, in fact, the Pleiades. So it's actually quite a nice time to observe the night sky. Now, the planets. Well, Jupiter is still visible, low in the sky, just west of south when darkness falls. It sets at the start of October around 10.30pm BSP. Towards the end of the month, it will still be seen towards the southwest after sunset, but then sets by 08.30 GMT. Its magnitude dims slightly from minus 2.4 to minus 2.2 during the month, whilst the angular diameter falls from 40.5 to 37.1 arc seconds. Sadly, even when first seen after sunset, it will only have an elevation of about 14 degrees above the horizon so the atmosphere will limit our views. Due to its position in the most southerly part of the ecliptic, this has been a very poor apparition for those of us in the northern hemisphere. Saturn follows Jupiter into the sky, some 8 degrees behind at the start of the month, but reducing to 5.2 degrees by month's end. It's best seen in the south just after sunset on the 1st. The magnitude drops slightly during the month from plus 0.5 to plus 0.6, whilst its angular size decreases from 17.2 to 16.4 arc seconds. The ring spanning some 35 arc seconds across and at 22 degrees to the line of sight, sharp well. Saturn lies in Sagittarius, near the border of Capricornus. It halted its retrograde motion on the 29th of September, and as the year progresses, becomes closer to Jupiter, until on the 21st of December, they are just 0.1 degrees apart. Sadly again, this low elevation of about 16 degrees when crossing the meridian will limit our views of this most beautiful planet. Mercury passes in front of the Sun on the 25th of the month, that's called inferior conjunction, and I'm afraid will not be visible this month. 
Now, Mars, this is a special month for Mars, and I've actually included it in the highlights, as you will see. Finally, Venus. Venus was at greatest elongation east back in August, but still dominates the pre-dawn sky, rising about three hours before sunrise as October begins, and a little less by month's end. It shines at magnitude minus 4.1 at the start of October, lying half a degree from Regulus in Leo. The magnitude drops to minus 4 by month's end, while the angular size shrinks slightly from 15.5 to 13.2 arc seconds. However, during the same time its phase, and that's the illuminated percentage of the disk, increases from 72% to 81% which is why the falling magnitude is so small. It still reaches an elevation of about 32 degrees above the horizon at sunrise. Venus entered the constellation of Leo on the 23rd of September and moves into Virgo on the 23rd of this month. Finally, the highlights. Now, this is a wonderful month to view Mars the best for many years to come. It has its closest approach to Earth on October the 6th, when it will lie 39 million miles from Earth. Later, on the 13th, it reaches opposition, so is highest in the south, around 1 a.m. BST. Wonderfully, at this opposition, Mars is far higher in the sky than at recent oppositions. In Pisces, Mars outshining even Jupiter can be first seen rising around 8 p.m. BST in the southeast as October begins. It crosses the meridian at 2 a.m. BST on the first of the month and by about 11 p.m. GMT by month's end. Its magnitude begins at minus 2.5, peaks to minus 2.6 around opposition, and then fades to minus 2.2 by the end of the month. The angular size is just over 22 arc seconds for most of the month, dropping slightly to 20 arc seconds by month's end. Reaching an elevation of around 43 degrees when due south, as seen from the UK, amateur telescopes will enable one to see features, such as Sirtis Major, on its surface, when the seeing conditions are good. This is the best time to observe Mars until 2035. During this opposition, Mars's southern hemisphere is tipped towards the Earth, and so the south polar cap should be visible, but I've actually observed it is actually not that obvious. Much of its frozen carbon dioxide will have vaporized during this Martian summer. Though the north polar cap is beyond our view, one should be able to spot the haze of the North Polar Hood lying above the northern limb of the planet. With a day of 24.6 hours long, similar to ours, the surface details remain similar at about the same time each night. And in fact, Mars will take 41 days to make an apparent rotation as seen from Earth at the same time each night. On the night sky page, I give details how to find some of the more interesting objects visible in the sky this month. And I start with Neptune. It's just past opposition, and so will be visible for much of the night.
It lies in Aquarius below one of the circles in Pisces and shines at magnitude plus 7.8 with a 2.4 arcsecond disk. So you'll need binoculars or a small telescope to spot it under a dark sky. I hope the charts on the night sky page will help you find it. It's not so difficult as it lies close to a nice grouping of stars. Of course, a well-aligned computerized telescope will take you right there. But unless the seeing is exceptional, I expect that the dark bluish disk will not be that obvious. Again, it's a good time to look in the east towards the constellations of Cassiopeia and Perseus. Perseus contains two interesting objects, the double cluster that lies between it and the constellation Cassiopeia, and Algol, the demon scar. Algol is an eclipsing binary system, and I show a diagram of its eclipse path. Normally the pair has a steady magnitude of about plus 2.2, but every 2.86 days it briefly drops to magnitude 3.4. And again, on the night sky page, I give you a chart to show you two ways to find the Andromeda Galaxy M31. A round new moon, and that's on the 16th of October, and well away from towns and cities, you may be able to spot M33, the third largest galaxy after M31 and our own galaxy in our local group of galaxies. It's a face-on spiral, and its surface brightness is pretty low, so a dark, transparent sky will be needed to spot it, using binoculars either 8 by 40 or preferably 10 by 50. You follow the two stars back from M31 and continue in the same direction, sweeping slowly as you go. It looks like a little piece of tissue paper stuck on the sky, just brighter than the sky background. Tough one to find, but do have a go. So finally, some sort of conjunctions in the sky. On October the 2nd, one hour before sunrise, Venus will only be about half a degree to the upper right of Regulus, that's Alpha Leonis. On October the 10th, before dawn, the third quarter moon will lie down to the right of Pollux in Gemini. On October the 14th, before dawn, Venus and a very thin crescent moon. Should it be clear, Venus will be seen below a very thin waning crescent moon. You may well be able to spot Earthshine, which is the dark side of the moon lit by light reflected from the Earth. On October the 22nd, after sunset, Jupiter will be seen above a waxing moon one day before first quarter, with Saturn up to its left. On the 29th in the evening, Mars will lie very close to a waxing moon just two days before fall. Something to look for on the moon is the Hyginus Rill, and the nights of October the 7th and the 23rd are best because the terminator lies quite close. We know that virtually all craters on the moon were caused by impact. But it's thought that the Hyginus crater that lies at the centre of the Hyginus Rill may well be volcanic in origin. It is an 11 kilometre wide rimless pit, in contrast with impact craters which have raised rims. 
and its close association with the rill of the same name associates it with internal lunar events. It's thought that an explosive release of dust and gas created a vacant space below, so the overlying surface collapsed, so forming the crater. Well, quite a lot to see this month, and of course, with the dark skies coming earlier in the evening, you've got more time to have a look. So, good hunting. Thanks for that, Ian. And for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Haritina Mogusanu and Samuel Leske with the night sky where you are. Kia ora from New Zealand. I am Haritina Mogosano, Senior Science Communicator at Space Place at Cairo Observatory, reporting on October's night sky from the beautiful skies of the Southern Hemisphere. Visible planets this month in order of disappearance are Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn and Mars. If you're lucky to have a flat horizon in the northeast and like planet Venus, you will be seeing it in the morning sky. This month, Mercury will reach its highest point in the evening sky on the 2nd of October and Mars will be at opposition closest to Earth on the 14th of October. Thus, we will be able to easily see features from Mars in a telescope. At the beginning of the month, the Sun is in the zodiacal constellation of Virgo, setting around 7.30pm and rising around 7am. It will stay here until the end of the month. Mercury is in Virgo, about 9 light minutes away. Venus is in Leo, visually very close to the Sun, and is about 8 light minutes away from us. Mars is in the zodiacal constellation of Pisces, and is about four light minutes away from us, which is why we can see so many details on its surface with a telescope. Jupiter is in Sagittarius and is about 40 light minutes away from Earth. Saturn is also in Sagittarius and is about 80 light minutes away from us. Planet Uranus is in Aries. It has a visual magnitude of plus 5.7 and under a very dark sky and if you have amazingly good eyes you might be able to see it with the naked eye it will be visible after mars appears in the night sky neptune is in aquarius so we can see it in the evening sky light from neptune takes approximately four hours to reach us here on earth at a visual magnitude of plus 7.8 you will need binoculars or telescopes to see it Pluto is in Sagittarius and very close to Jupiter. We cannot see Pluto with the naked eye as it has a magnitude of plus 14.4 and is about 4 hours and 30 light minutes away from us. So that's how much light from Pluto makes to reach our eyes here. Of course, none of the planets make visible light on their own. What we see are the features of each planet illuminated by the light from the sun that gets reflected by our solar system companions. After dark adaptation and under the very best observing conditions, the average limiting magnitude of the human eye is about magnitude 6.5. That is, if you have a really, really dark sky. In October, Milky Way Center is now on the western horizon after sunset. Scorpius and Sagittarius are the two constellations whose stars are between us and the galactic center. We're very lucky here in New Zealand to see the center of the Milky Way high in the sky, which means we are looking at it through less layers of atmosphere than in the Northern Hemisphere. 
In the Northern Hemisphere, from mid-latitudes, the center of the Milky Way climbs only above 30 degrees above the horizon. October is a good month to still see many deep sky objects. The majority of them are around the galactic bulge. In Scorpius, our favorites are Ptolemy's cluster or M7 or Messier 7, a beautiful open cluster of stars, the butterfly cluster or M6, which resembles to a butterfly, and the globular clusters Messier 4 and Messier 80, the Bug Nebula NGC 6302 and the Cat's Paw Nebula NGC 6334 are excellent astrophotography targets this month. Neighboring Scorpius is Sagittarius. This is the constellation where we map the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way. Sagittarius's famous asterism, or grouping of stars, is the teapot, which here in New Zealand is upside down. Sagittarius cannot be seen from Scotland or Scandinavia, so we're very lucky here to be able to observe it overhead. The Milky Way is at its densest in Sagittarius, inside the constellation, which is a patch of the sky, of course. We can admire two beautiful star clouds easily seen in binoculars. The large Sagittarius star cloud and the small Sagittarius star cloud, Messier 24. Some stunning deep sky objects in Sagittarius are Lagoon Nebula, M8, Omega Nebula or Swan Nebula and the Trifid Nebula, another famous one, also known as M20. The Trifid Nebula is about 2 degrees from Lagoon Nebula. If anything else fails, just pick up a pair of binoculars and browse the night sky above your head. You will see amazing star fields. On the circumpolar region, the small Magellanic Cloud is in a good position to observe. Close to it, 47 Tucane is one of the most beautiful and large globular clusters that adorn the night sky. 47 Tucane is the second brightest globular cluster in the sky and one of the most massive clusters in the galaxy. Its angular diameter is roughly the size of the full moon. That's the width of your pinky at arm's length. It can be seen with the naked eye from Earth, although it's far, far away, about 13,000 light years from Earth. The three famous crosses of the Southern Sky, the Southern Cross, the Diamond Cross and the False Cross are very low on the horizon. And for the next three months, we will be looking at them through an extra layer of atmosphere. Some notable deep sky objects this month are Helix Nebula in Aquarius, Dumbbell Nebula in Vulpecula and the Grus Quartet in Grus. Famous for his nickname, the Eye of Sauron, especially here in New Zealand, Helix Nebula is a very large planetary nebula. Dumbbell Nebula M27 in Vulpecula is very bright and the first planetary nebula to be discovered. In Grus, a gathering of four interacting galaxies are known as the Grus Quartet. They're fascinating to see in a large telescope and they look like four tiny little smidges. You have to train your eye very well to be able to see them, but you can. Bright objects in the night sky, beautiful bright stars and planets are visible in the night sky this time of the year, right at the top of the sky, Antares, the red giant and main star from Scorpius, shimmers in an incredibly beautiful red color as seen through a telescope. On the southern horizon lays Canopus, glistening all colors, including red and green, as we see it through the atmosphere. 
On the opposite side, on the northern horizon, is Altair, the main star in Aquila. Just after sunset, at the beginning of the month, you can catch a good view of planet Mercury, which now reaches its highest point in the sky and sets about two hours after the sun. Jupiter and Saturn are evening objects, they are visible at zenith, Mars is visible after 9pm, and Venus just slightly visible in the morning, rising one hour before the sun. From New Zealand, I wish you clear skies so that you can always see the stars. And until next time, kakite ano!